Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I'm Ben Conlon. I'm joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, who apparently only has one monitor today, which is real a tough scene for him. Yeah, if you can't tell, I mean, how many people actually listen to us? I mean, actually watch us. I think it's like three of our listeners that actually... Can you normally like... see your monitors? No, but I'm just saying my background is very different. Uh, it's normally my, um, my own apartment, but I'm at my girlfriend's parents' house. Dick brag, bro. Yeah, so I, I have an actual, like, it's like an office setup. The only downside is there's no double monitor, which means I can't cheat and look at stats quickly. Yeah, that's what I do. I just go and I don't see your face, and then I'm on stats. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yes, it does. So we've got a decent amount of stuff to talk about. We're going to do kind of a quicker pod, which is rare for us, but on a little deadline today, got to talk to the Virginia football boys, so. We're going to talk Jamie football. We'll talk a little bit about men's basketball transfers. Jack, why aren't we? Why aren't we more excited? We have to. T- we have to tell everyone why we are excited about all this great stuff. I'm excited for you to dive into your classic per 40 minutes per 100 possession advanced stat outlook because that is patented. Patented Bennett Conlon. Struggling with that, but <laughs> we're working. And then we got a little Olympic sports stuff. I wanted to touch on some things. We'll just do that at the end, but. We'll start with football. We already basically did a Richmond, what well, we did do a Richmond. Yeah, we didn't basically, we did a great, I feel like it, was, it might not have been our best work, but we definitely did it on the podcast. We very much previewed Richmond April 1st, you were telling me, and uh, game got canceled. It seemed like Richmond was going to try to duck JMU um, the rest of the season. Whatever <laughs> happened, they're playing this weekend at, oh, I thought it was a noon game. It's a 2 p.m. game, I guess. I really thought it was a noon game, got that wrong wow. newsletter. 2 p.m. game. Yikes. 2 p.m. game against nobody. I don't think anyone reading that is like getting their game time off of that. But anyway, <laughs> playing Richmond at 2 p.m. at home, um, it kind of feels like a playoff game. Although I kind of still feel like if Jamie loses a close game, they might still get an at-large. But... Yeah, I mean, there's there... I don't think they would be – I think JMU fans at this point really hate me because I've been kind of like really anti-JMU this season. And it's not because like they don't deserve it. They're a solid team. They haven't lost a game. They found a way to win every single one of their games, which is great. And in this weird spring season, that's all you can be said. 
But at the same time, I feel like if they lose to Richmond in a blowout fashion, or even if it's a close game, one loss, they'll get in. I'll, I'll hedge my bets. I'll say they'll get in. But in my opinion, I don't think they're, they should. But Yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. I don't know that they're like playoff worthy given what they've done where they had. If they lose. Um, I want to say if they lose. If yeah, they win, they're 100%. <laughs> the one seed based off of everything that we've seen all season. If they win, they're in. They deserve it wholeheartedly. If they lose, that's where you start getting that hypothetical whole situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the selection committee had them at the number one seed when they revealed rankings. So if they win, they're not going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. But if they lose the game, I think then you could question the resume, right? Because the Moorhead State game is like barely a game. Um, the William Mary <laughs> game was the impressive win. But they probably should have lost to Elon. And Robert Morris, they didn't play all that well against them. And Robert Morris, have they played a second game yet? Right, so we don't know anything about them. I think they've actually played two more games since then, but that was in the last two weeks. How have they done? Do we know? I think losses in both. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, I will pull this up. That's not good at all. Yeah, so, I mean, like, they haven't had an impressive resume um, at all. Yeah, I mean, Kennesaw State beat them 35 to nothing. And then Kennesaw State just lost to Monmouth. Yeah, so... All right, Robert Morris, we thought could be impressive, and they have not been. So JMU's resume is not great, but obviously when it's a ranked win against Richmond, which is number 12, number one seed would be locked up. Um, I think the reason I say they would still get in and, and kind of what you're thinking as well, I would guess, is that the committee had them at number one, even after they hadn't been all that impressive. So like if they do lose a competitive game, the committee probably sticks them in there because they think they're good. They got the brand recognition, and I think that's – I mean, they don't have much to go off this spring. So I think brand recognition carries more weight than it probably should. And I don't mean to sound rude to the committee itself, but Richmond's a high seed. They're number 12, you said. Mm-hmm. If Jamie loses a close game, right? I, I think, I mean, clearly they're not going to get the at-large. It's going to go to either Richmond or Delaware. If Delaware can beat Villanova, which is kind of its own de facto playoff game, I guess we'll talk a little bit about that. We're pressed for time, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. But if JMU loses a close game to a highly ranked Richmond team, I could see JMU having a higher seed than the auto-bid CAA team. I think, I mean, if they, I guess you could get seeded, right? If you have a, you could still get a seed, even if you're an automatic. Yeah. Not an automatic qualifier in at-large. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I guess JMU could still have a, a seed, which would be weird. But and Delaware's been you, disrespected. I just need to go on a quick soapbox. Delaware's been disrespected all season. I've seen it in plenty of national rankings and in people's rankings they are undefeated and they've they've dominated all season to have them at like seven six behind these one loss north dakota state north dakota south dakota like to have them behind all of them is just a disgrace and it's just complete valley bias i'll i'll fight anyone on that i i think delaware blue hens are my rhode island this season i i always tried to hype up rhode island even when they sucked delaware is my team that i'm riding this season in the caa Delaware, I trust more than any Rhode Island program ever. I think Rocco is a really good coach, and he's kind of proven that. And Delaware's had the past history. I think they have legit players, too. I think their defense is good. Henderson gives them something at quarterback that, I mean, their defense has been good in previous seasons, and they, they couldn't move the ball. And now they can run it a little bit. Henderson does some good stuff. So, I mean, to me, they should be right now a top-four seed. And if they win, I don't know why that would would change but it sounds like from what people are saying that they're more of like a you know sneaking into the top eight seeds and that's absolutely insane basically and none of it none of it really matters to be totally honest with you i imagine attendance is still limited everywhere and there are no and they're all in like their own bubbles like delaware will probably be traveling to the jmu bubble regardless like and there's no 
there, what is it, 16 teams? So there's no bye week for anybody. Like yeah, you, exactly. You get it it really doesn't matter at all. And I think the host sites are all still, I want to say the NCAA was still making people bid even like for, I think there's just like a money grab by the NCAA. So I think the teams that are playing at home, I think some of them are paying. I could be wrong there, but I think. No, I think it's, I think it's, they announced the home sites. So this season's a little different. I think so there's the home sites? sites that's already been pre-decided. Do we know what they are? I think that yeah. was money related, wasn't it? I have no I idea, but I'm pretty sure Maine is one who's canceled their season, which is kind of funny. And then it's JMU. I'm, I'm Does someone have to play in Maine? All right, we're going to. We're going to take up precious time here. <laughs> you, you look it up. But I'll, I'll just say that it's an important game, obviously, for Jamie. Richmond's a good team. Um, if you win it, you're the number one seed. If you lose it, you're kind of bubble-ish, but probably more of a seed bubble. Um, if they lose it, you might get three conference teams in. I think you have a legitimate chance then to have Richmond, Delaware, and JMU, which would be kind of interesting. But Yeah, Maine is one. Kennesaw, here, here, here they are, real quick. What? This is according to FCS playoff predetermined. How did you not see this? This was like the talk of FCS Twitter for like a. That's exactly week. why I didn't see it. <laughs> okay, so here, here they are, real quick. We'll run them through: Delaware, Eastern Washington, Jacksonville State, JMU, Kennesaw State, Maine, who has canceled their season, Missouri State, Murray State, North Dakota, North Dakota State, Sam Houston, South. And how Dakota many are State, there? Fourteen. Oh, so it doesn't – Maine doesn't matter. No one's going to play in Maine. Oh, oh, here – yeah, okay, sorry. I, I completely messed the whole lead that was determining it. Sorry. <laughs> of the 14 sites, eight will host yeah. first-round games. Twelve of the sites will be in contention to host the quarterfinal and semifinal rounds. It's basically only going to – so if all the big teams are there, you would assume that they would have yeah. the opening game. Okay. So it's, it's not really that crazy, I guess. But I still think those teams had to – I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. It sounded like those teams might have had to – Bid. To bid one, to be... I agree with that. I think I'm pretty sure that's probably how it worked. All right. Well, that's weird. I don't like that. They, whatever. The, the whole season, <laughs> we can go on. Maybe this is a different podcast, but the whole season. Is... This is a podcast where we have more time where we talk about the, the, re, the, the look back at the JMU season podcast. Mark your calendars now, folks. Whenever that podcast drops, that's <laughs> going to be a calendars. fantastic. It one. could be, it could be in a week and it could be in a month. <laughs> so just circle every weekend, depending on how they're playing. <laughs> okay, okay do so real quick. championship. That's in Frisco. Yes. Okay. That. Let's quickly hit. We set the stage already in another podcast, but essentially this game is big because Richmond yeah. is a solid team with a pretty solid defense. But the, their specialty is that they have Joe Mancuso at quarterback and a solid running attack. But Joe Mancuso is kind of the engine that makes it run. He's a dual threat quarterback. He's been there for 20 years. He's been the backup to Kyle Lalletta, and I feel like – I don't think he actually was, but it feels like he's been there for a long time. <laughs> I thought he transferred. I could be wrong. Um, but he's, he's, he's finally kind of found his role within the offense. And this season, as weird as it's been, he's been having some solid showings. And JMU historically struggles against these dual-threat quarterbacks. And that's what Joe Mancuso is. And that's why this game is kind of a question mark, at least in my opinion – of how JMU is going to play. If they can go out and dominate, I will, I will say everything I've ever said about JMU has been wrong. But I think, it's, I think JMU is going to win by 10 points. I guess he was the Lawletta backup. He, was, he redshirted in 2016. So okay. He's, I thought he was from somewhere else. No, he's been there the whole time. He actually got, got in in 2017 as the holder, and that's where he sort of came on the scene. No, but, I mean, they're, they're a good team. They play well. I think JMU 
I think some of it is interesting because the last time they played, they looked really good, but they didn't have really any of their, not any of their, but they didn't, were missing a lot of key guys, right? Gage wasn't there. They didn't have Percy. Um, I think yeah, he traveled, great. but wasn't ready to play. And then they had someone else. So they were good against William Mary, despite not having people. I kind of thought they were going to have a little hangover effect the next week at Richmond. Obviously the game doesn't happen. So yeah. both teams haven't played a lot of football. I can't remember. I don't think Richmond was able to play last week. Richmond hasn't played in a while. Yeah. So I have no idea what to expect. I think the main thing is just like which team, given how long the pauses have been, which team doesn't shoot themselves in the foot and turn it over a lot. And I, I'm kind of scared. And I'm very interested, and this goes us into our next one. Who's the starting quarterback? <laughs> I think he was healthy, Gage, even though Cole played well. Cole wasn't, like, like all-conference good or, like, a top performer against William Mary. He was just managing the game. So I think Gage yeah. probably has more upside, and if he's been able to practice and is healthy, my guess is he makes sense. But, look, they got two options, one of which Cole has now got a little confidence. So – I think that's positive. I think last time, didn't I say they were going to play both? <laughs> yeah, I actually used it as the pull quote for it, and you said, just go with both. Give, give <laughs> each one a drive and see who's going for it. Honestly, I'm not against that. I, I, what do you think? I'm against that. I, I said last podcast it's Cole Johnson, but that was under the assumption that then they'd be – I have no idea, man. It's been 15 years since the last time we saw JMU play. I like what you, if, if it's probably, it's, it was Gage's, it was Cole's job who then lost it. Gage then lost it. We assume due to COVID. Yeah. He wasn't so available. Is, is it his to be handed back? Even though Cole had a great game. I don't think, I think I've had enough time to realize that Gage is probably the starting quarterback. He, you can't look past his, you can't look past Cole's glaring flaws, which is he's a, he's nothing more than a game manager. He did manage that game well, though. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I think they got a couple options. We'll see what they do. The main thing is going to be whoever starts, you don't turn the ball over. You need the defense to play well. You imagine they would have the running backs back, and that's really the key, right? It's a run-first team. The key is the offensive line. Yeah. Offensive line, and that was kind of their problem in Robert Morris and against Elon. They weren't getting – solid I mean also the turnovers by Cole Johnson are just absolute killers but the offensive line just didn't seem to get a get their patented just destruction off the line that normally makes the running backs run for free but they kind of got back to that with William and Mary when you see that Kalon Black is running for 1500 yards in a game and some of that is because the quarterback actually completed passes yeah that, that too you, you know you can't you don't have <laughs> The quarterback's completing passes, which means they don't they, they don't have the ability to put eleven men in the box right. and <laughs> obliterate anything. I don't think Elon was was concerned about the pass even a little bit. So that helps to, whoever is in needs to be like basic completions, right? They, they gotta make be sure competent in the way they throw. They they can't go one for seven to start the game with two interceptions. They can't be missing open guys and then hitting open guys that are playing cornerback for the other team. So if they do that, I think – I mean, I do think they're a better team, and I think they're more talented than Richmond. Um, I think when you look at, like, the conference, Delaware to me is the team that's like, that would be a game because I think they could match up. I don't really think Richmond can, but I also think Richmond is good enough that if you throw three first-half interceptions, they're not going to, like, just be okay with that and, and still take a loss. They'll beat you. I think even if you throw one or two, if you don't win the turnover turnover margin, if you don't win in that column, I don't think you're winning this game. I also think it's going to be huge to see how the defense treats 
Joe Mancuso. Like, that's the biggest matchup, the defensive line against Joe Mancuso. We saw against Trey Lance. Granted, that is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL draft, so it's kind of – Many are saying Mancuso is as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is another top 10. No, but at the end of the day, like, they struggled against him mightily yeah. against him. They struggled against the Elon third-string quarterback who had a little bit of wheels. Then they kind of clamped down on him. But, I mean, historically, they just are not the best against a quarterback who can escape the pocket and pick up yards on the run. Um, yeah. Quickly, let's just hit prediction, and then we'll move into men's basketball. What's your prediction for this game? I think they'll win by 14. So I'll say, like, 38-24. I think Rich Mill gets some points because you mentioned that quarterback. And worth noting that William & Mary's dual-threat quarterback didn't play in that game. So when they looked a lot better, they obviously didn't have to go against the dual threat guy. I think that Mancuso is going to do some good things. They'll score a little bit. Jamie will make some mistakes. I kind of think both teams after so long will be a little bit rusty, but I still think both offenses find ways to score. I'll say 38, 24, even though in my gut, that sounds probably like too many points. Wow. See, I'm going kind of the opposite. I think it's 42, 32. Whoa. I think it's going to be, a. I think if anyone's rusty, it's going to be the defenses. Really? Yeah, so. I can see it. I think JMU in the first half, the secondary might have some some issues. My thing is that neither team is, has been all that stellar offensively all season. Yeah, I mean, and it's just so weird. Like, what what can you expect after not seeing <laughs> play for three there's weeks? No, there's just no way to know what. And the last time you saw JMU, they were down 90% of their starters. Not actually 90%. They were down, like, three of their best starters on offense and – I don't know, man. Okay, moving to men's basketball. Yes. Let's get a little bit excited here. We just landed two transfers to call Molson from Seton, from Kinesis by way of Seton Hall and Charles Folden, Winthrop kid, who was a honorable mention for the Big South Conference team. I, I, I butchered that. I think that's right. But to call Molson was the MAC 2018 Rookie of the Year and he was all Mac for when I say Mac, it's M A A, the Metro Atlantic <laughs> Athletic Conference, the Mac. So um, he balled out there. He then transferred to Seton Hall, where he I think averaged like five minutes a game. Well, he was almost twenty minutes a game on twenty yeah. minutes. And I don't know, was it was not a great shooter. I'll say that. Like, there's no yeah. sugarcoating it. At at Seton Hall, he was shooting. I think. 30% from two and 25% from three, something not that good. Charles Folded, on the other hand, didn't seem like a pure scorer at Winthrop, but was a fantastic piece in a Big South champion team who lost one game, I believe. Um, so what's your first reaction to these guys coming to the program? And I, I'll just let you take that. Just take that question where you want to take it. Folden to me is the, really exciting addition i still think molson's a a good addition but the one that really excites me is is false or Falden. <laughs> combining <laughs> the names it really excites <laughs> me and then mispronounces his name charles Falden to me is the one that's super exciting because he didn't play that much for, like he started for winthrop but winthrop was pretty deep so he started 24 of the 25 games but he only averaged 20 minutes a game um, and that was the most that he had played in his winthrop career but He's efficient. He shot 57% from two, shot 36% from three, which was actually kind of down from what he did earlier in his career. So he's a guy over the course of his career, he's a 40% three-point shooter. So he's got a good stroke. Shoots, he was about 80% at the free throw line this past year, can rebound a little. 
um, for what they asked him to do. I mean, he could come in and could score the ball. Didn't play a ton, but I think he's someone that like fits in with JMU's roster where maybe he starts and he only plays 20 to 25 minutes. Maybe he's someone that they do want to have closer to 40 minutes. And if he does do that, I mean, it's per 40 minute numbers, Jack, we love these. 19... Dude, love these. Don't bring me <laughs> into this. 90, 90, 19.4 points per game per 40 minutes. He's an efficient scorer, which I think is a really good thing. Finished near the rim well. He's 6'3", 205, so he's got a little bit of size at the guard position. And maybe most importantly is his advanced per 100 possession numbers. He was an above average offensive player with 114 points per 100 possessions, which is pretty solid. Anything over 100 is good. And then anything below 100 defensively is good. And he was at 94.9. So basically it's a guy who can lock down defensively at the guard spot and he can also score. I mean, I think he's a really, really solid addition. Um, And then Molson's a good player too, especially I think having the year at Seton Hall and moving back down a level is going to help him a lot. Uh, I think he sat out a year too. So he had a couple of seasons practicing with Seton Hall, became a bench player for them, did some good things. But I mean, he's a guy who was an above average offensive player and who could really do some things per 40 minutes. He was averaging a little bit over 20 a game uh, for Kinesias or Kinesis, whatever (laughs) first pronounced, but he's a good player. I mean, he, he averaged, you know, 17 points a game his final season there and was a good score for them a little bit of a volume score he's he can be really efficient from two shot 57 percent from two his last year there and then at Seton Hall I think the level up was a challenge for him and he shot 20 percent from three and 42 percent from two so he'll benefit from playing in the conference yeah I agree with everything he said oh that was fantastic well put amazing but I also have to say they still don't have a big that, thank you for saying that because I was hoping you were going to – I didn't want to ask you that question right <laughs> off the jump. I wanted, you to, I wanted you to steer it towards, and you didn't steer it as smoothly as I thought you were going to, but you got there nonetheless. They don't have – their tallest – and I've, I think I've said this to anyone that will listen to me. Their tallest yeah. player right now is 6'8", Julian Wooden. Wooden has never sniffed the five for JMU. He is a three or a four maybe. Maybe. He's a wing which is great. I love that size on the wing. The five is Justin Amati, who's six, seven. I also think they might be flubbing the numbers a little bit there. I don't know if Wooden's necessarily six, eight, maybe more six, seven and a half. I don't know. But yeah, to call Molson and Falden are both going to make impacts. Like I think Molson will be a great kind of cutter going to the basket and getting layups and, and playing inside three. I think Falden is just a good all around player who can score. And I think more importantly, that defensive rating you mentioned at 94, I think he is already the best defensive player on JMU, which is going to be big because they were lacking in, in just defensive um, consistency last season. But they need a big – there's no one in the middle that can clog that lane. Yeah, I mean, they, they, do, <laughs> they just don't have a big, and I think that's probably the, the main concern when you look at the team right now is they don't have – and you don't need, like, a necessarily a seven-footer, but even a guy who is kind of a, a Dwight Wilson type in terms of just six size. Nine, and 6'10", who's just, like, a big – because you're in the CAA. You're not playing 7'2", athletic – freaks every night you're playing another six nine kid so if you have a big body that can clog the lane and rebound and get some putbacks that's all you need you need a Cameron Crutwig 
You, that would obviously be great. I mean, somebody somebody of that size who could do some things. And look, Loyola is a top or they top fifteen caliber team, and JMU's top one hundred and fifty. But that mold would be nice. It would be nice to have someone who could fill that role for them, right? Yeah, I mean, they had Dwight Wilson. <laughs> right. Look what he's doing at Ohio. He was one of the best players in the paint in the MAC last season. That's the one A MAC in the MAC last season. I think they're. I think they have two more open spots. It's kind of unclear. Verbal commits is saying that they've got three freshmen who have committed, so they would still have two open scholarships. Um, so I mean, you would kind of assume. I know they've been on some some guys um, in terms of um, freshman recruits, but I think you could still use a transfer. And I've heard no rumblings that they are maybe close to getting a guy who's tall. I've. To call Molson was the last rumble of any transfer news I heard from JMU. It's just they're so guard heavy, right? I mean, you look and they've got. I think some, they have. I think they have three forwards on this roster. Because you got Falden now. Molson's kind of a wing, so he can maybe play more of a like a small forward role. What's Molson's um, height again? Six seven. He's six five. Six five. Six five with yeah. So he's got a little length there, but you got Falden. Hodge, Vito Morris, those are obviously guards. Terrence Edwards is kind of in the wing area. Strickland is pretty clearly a, a guard. Andrew McConnell, the freshman, he's six feet tall, so I don't think you're sticking him at the five. <laughs> um, they've got another guy who appears to have verbally committed or actually signed his letter of intent, Jalen Stinson. He's six feet tall. <laughs> and then they have <laughs> uh, Devin Savage, another guy that verbal commits is saying. I'll have to confirm those two. I hadn't seen those anywhere else, but He's a guy who's 6'4". Um, so, I mean, they have a billion guards and what, Amadi and Wooden. And you, maybe you can stretch out Edwards to play the 3-4. Edwards three, is a good rebounder, so I wouldn't be yeah. upset about Like, he rebounds above his height, so yeah. I'm not too upset about that. But, like, no offense to Amadi whatsoever. I mean, he's one of the most electric players I think we've seen at JMU. And he's all. awesome. I don't think he necessarily rebounds all that much higher than his height. I just want him at like the three or the four. The four. Amadi would be a fantastic four. Like yeah. he would ruin CAA defenses if he like if he was consistently at the four. And I'm just scrolling through their roster, and I mean, I don't know if Zach Jacobs is coming back. He technically can. He's not, from what I read with from what Shane had said. Okay, he's six eight. So you lose a, you lose your second six eight player, and it's just it's it's crazy. Bring back Joel Mensa. He's still in the portal. Bring him back. Yeah. And I also, I got to go in and find where they've actually committed these guys because uh, Verbal Commits is saying it, but then 24-7 Sports isn't, but also 24-7 Sports. I don't know if they really care about mid-majors at JMU's level. So <laughs> they might not have those second guys. McConnell appears to definitely be going to JMU, and it looks like. Everyone's also... been saying JMU has two more scholarships available. So They have. have. Okay, so that sounds right then. Yeah. I hadn't heard anything about Stinson or, or Savage, but I've heard many things about Andrew McConnell. <laughs> if he's not starting this year, dude, <laughs> what are they doing? Gosh. Right. I must love I here, here here's my what I do. I can't talk. Here's what I might do. Let's dive into Georgia Southern's old rosters. An idea. And just see if he was always like Ah, who needs a forward? You can just play four, six, five guys, and let's go out there and have some fun. It's interesting because last year it seemed like maybe they'd be really good in the front court, 
where you had Mensa, and we obviously thought Mensa was going to be a beast who is now transferred out. They added TJ Taylor, who had experience playing at like forward positions. So, yeah, I mean, and then they also, but it happens. They really, I mean, they just don't have a big. So, yeah. So, um, I think last thing to eventually add one. Yeah. So, last thing to wrap up with men's basketball. What do you kind of, I mean, it's way too early. The season just ended two weeks ago, but in terms of the college basketball as a whole, are you excited for the next season? What is your predicted way too early starting five? Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be good. I would, I would guess it's like some combination of like Vado, Falden, maybe even Molson at the three. And then you go um, Wooden Amadi. You could obviously have Edwards in there at the three or something too which might help, or even Edwards at the four and wouldn't it? I don't know how you would do it, but something like that. I think those would be guys within the mix. Jalen Hodge seems like someone who would make a ton of sense um, getting good minutes. Same with Strickland. I think they've got so many guys in the backcourt. I want to see those guys play. Um, yeah, there's there's opportunity for some of the guys who are 6'5 or higher, whether it's a Molson or an Edwards, to play a lot just because they don't have anyone who can really go get rebounds. So, like, if you're 6'6 six, six and can rebound, like, you can play the four. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. What do you got? My starting five, I'm thinking, I tweeted, I think it was Morse, Falden, Edwards. Yeah. Wooden, Amadi. That makes sense, too. I would like that five. I, I think it's kind of, I think those those three guys, the five, four, three, I think you kind of play what you call positionless basketball, and you're just like, guys, please crash the paint. and Just try to rebound. Just try. And then, but I also think, and then I think it's very important to note that I, I have Hodge coming off the bench as like one of the premier six men in the CAA. He showed yeah, great flashes of, of scoring ability. So I think he's probably going to be getting heavy minutes too, but just be coming off the bench because you can only start five guys. Yeah. I mean, I still think they're good enough to, to win the league with that roster, even without a big, because the league's kind of crappy. I agree. I think, I think the key to it will be Morse. I think Morse is going to be the engine that makes it go. He's going to be the primary ball handler. He's probably going to be the primary scorer. There were times last season where you saw just his pure scoring ability, but there are other times that he didn't see a shot he didn't like. And I think kind of figuring out when to dish out and when to, when to dish out and when to take your chances is going to be big in the, in the development of Morse. 100%. All right, and now Olympic sports. This is the best part because softball's a top 25 team. Men's soccer is like a top 10 team, and TJ Bush, I think, is like a top keeper, not only in the CAA, but I think in the NCAA. And then most importantly, women's golf just won a CAA title, and I don't think I've ever received a more excited text from Bennett. It was a heck of a heck of a win for them because I looked at at golf stat because I was actually checking something else and they typically have college golf scores on golfstat.com for anyone that makes sense who was interested and they're a good site and they did a nice job of keeping up with things and I saw they were kind of getting smoked and I was like oh, all right well we'll see what happens and I saw a tweet later in the day that they won they overcame a 16 shot deficit <laughs> and then I started looking at the team they don't have anybody who's older than a redshirt sophomore they just won the league title that's pretty cool I think I'm trying to remember the name. Let me look it up now to make sure I don't get it incorrect. But they had three players finish in the top five individually in the tournament as well. And then a redshirt freshman actually took home the individual title for the team. Kendall Turner, redshirt freshman from Chesapeake, Virginia. So what was her name? Kendall Turner. Okay. 
good on her. So she's got a bright future, right? I mean, you win the conference title and you <laughs> still got three years left. That's, that's a, pretty darn exciting. That's really good. <laughs> so they've got a bright future ahead. I was excited by that. Softball, getting a little frustrated. They're 19 and one, but their RPI is like 47th, or it was when I checked last. They had two great chances on Wednesday to play George Washington in a double header. George Washington's like 40th in the RPI, but Jamie already beat them this season. Got rained out. Did not actually rain that much in the Valley by the time the games were starting, which was disappointing. Happened with UVA baseball, too. Um, Could have gotten the game in. But anyway, that would have been <laughs> nice if they had played those. And the issue with that, though, is they don't have that much time the rest of the season to shove stuff in. Now, again, COVID can change that. But to not get those games would be disappointing because they would be huge for the RPI, give them a big boost. But, yeah, I'm excited. The Olympic sports have been good. Men's soccer, like you mentioned there. They're right in contention for a little Final Four run. I need to say this about the men's team. Because of COVID and weird stuff, they've only had six games so far this season. TJ Bush, I didn't realize how dominant he has been this season. I want you to guess how many goals allowed he's, he has. I just pulled it up. It looks like they've only allowed one goal, Jack. <laughs> that, is, that is absurd. <laughs> 24 saves, one goal, a 96% save percentage. That is absolutely absurd. And UNCW is a very, very good team. They're ranked 13th. JMU on senior day goes out and beats them 2-0. Commanding win. What's JMU's ranking nationally? I think they're close to the top 10. They, I saw they moved up three spots, but I don't remember what they, what they were. I'm looking it up. Who's going to win? <laughs> 18th. Last week was 21st. That's trash. Hate to see that. Let me see. Let me check out RPI here real quick for the, for the people at home. What is RPI? RPI has got them at 23. They're in a pretty good spot. So the way they're playing and the way they beat a ranked team to me has them excited. Cause I mean, we remember a couple of years ago when they were really good in the conference and nobody was really paying much attention to them and they went to the elite eight. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if, they win a national championship. Football wins a national championship next year. You look at what Falder and Molson can do. Potentially men's basketball. Women, we already know they're in the mix. Both golf teams get it done. Lacrosse gets it done. Softball, baseball, volleyball, field yep. hockey. Oh, and field hockey's also been really, really good. They're having a resurgence. We've talked about them on the podcast a lot and how they've kind of had fallen off. They look really good this year, so good for them. Okay, I will. I think next podcast, then we need to have a whole – we need to get back to field hockey and start. I mean, we, we kind of trashed on them a lot the last couple of seasons. I think it's time we, we show them the respect they really deserve. Um, and I think that was the best pod. Maybe we should do outlines more. I feel like every time we do an outline, <laughs> we always do a podcast with, wow, I think we should do outlines more. But we're right out. Bennett had to go at 11.15. It is 11.14 when we're finishing this. A tight 35 minutes. We appreciate you all for listening. Go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter, at JMU Sports News. You can find us on Facebook. Just type JMU Sports News in the search bar. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. So please subscribe or follow us wherever you listen and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. Um, and you can find us on our home on the web. We haven't been putting out too much content because COVID's gotten the sports JMU world crazy. Um, but I, I'm putting the pressure on Bennett now to write a women's golf story. Oof. I need it. I need the house it. is there. <laughs> no, he's very busy with his, his own actual <laughs> job. So for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See
you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.